You're listening to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from BIV and BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, Metro Vancouver Real Estate. From Cressy Development, Jason Turclot forecasts fall residential trends. And from Bentall Green Oak, Tony Astles assesses Vancouver's office space market. On September 11th, BIV's Business Excellence Series is back, kicking things off with our Women in Business panel. You can hear from business leaders on the topics of equal pay and how successful women rise through the ranks at work. The event will take place at the Vancouver Club. I'll be moderating, and I hope many of you can join us. Visit BIV.com slash BES-WIB for details. BES for Business Excellence Series, WIB for Women in Business. Canada's first year of legalized cannabis has seen significant industrial development and investment. We've also seen a range of regulations imposed around consumer outlets, a supply shortage, and a persistent black market that complicates the landscape. So, what have we learned? What lessons can be applied to the next stage of legalization? On October 9th, BIV's Cannabis One Year On panel examines industry opportunities, challenges, and next steps. Visit BIV.com slash events for details on that event and all of our event offerings. The kids are almost back to school, adults almost back to fall routines. Will our real estate market see a bit of a comeback this season, or are we primed for more market weakness? Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group, joins me now with a bit of a fall forecast. Jason, it's always good to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me back. Now, of course, neither of us has a crystal ball. At least I'm assuming you don't have one. I'm jealous if you do. I actually do. It's on my desk, but I'm not sure it oh, works. <laughs> oh, no. Just for this, it cut out. It was working fine up until now. <laughs> well, as someone, though, who follows the market closely and you speak to a lot of people in the industry, tell me what the expectations are when we're looking at residential real estate in Greater Vancouver. Well, the the interesting thing that we've seen this summer is actually uh you know this kind of resurgence of activity I mean, we uh we spoke last time about the july stats which were uh, a vast improvement over last year and certainly the best uh, month that we had seen so far this year and from what i can tell um you know from what i've heard and i and i certainly reached out to a number of people recently to just sort of feel how how they're, they're, uh, how the market's going for them in August. I think we're in for a really, a really strong month again. It's uh, unusually active for uh, August, and um, I suspect when we see the board stats come out uh, at the beginning of next month that we will, we will see a, a much, much better August than we did last year. And uh, I think probably on pace, or if not, even more active than what we saw in July, which is really interesting because it's traditionally a very slow month. And would that be kind of what I alluded to in the beginning? People are getting ready for a busy fall season, so things slow down in the month of August? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, you definitely see, you know, listings drop off in August traditionally. And, and uh, you know, we, when we talk about um, uh, sort of historical norms, um, yeah, August is slower. And uh, we, as we know, though, over the last 10 years, um, it's it's been much much busier and that feels a bit more like what we just see now and and mm-hmm. you know i think um what t- what typically happens is people hold off listing through the summer and definitely through august and and, and uh, choose to put listings on the market in the fall um and i think what we could be in for um with some 
new, on the on the heels of of a really good July and, and I, what I suspect will be another good August in terms of sales numbers. Um, we could see a real jump in uh, in listings in September. Both people who had waited um, to put their units on the market and people maybe responding to some of this positive market news, also choosing to jump into the listing uh, into the pool there to list their home or condo. And um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether the the, the recent activity in the market stays strong and and, uh, and and leads itself into the fall. At the start of the year, we spent a lot of our conversations talking about how people were hesitant and they were waiting on the sidelines and they were maybe waiting out some of the uncertainty and waiting to see how the market chose to respond to so many policies we've seen implemented over the last couple of years. What do you think is happening now? Why are we starting to see some unusual activity, as you put it? Well, if if, if indeed you know I'm right, and and we are going to see a, a month of August that that had uh, really strong sales volumes, and I did certainly not just my own opinion. I reached out to multiple realtors, both uh, in several markets uh, and on the resale and presale side, and it was pretty unanimous. It's been a busy month, so I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to see really strong numbers. And I think what it tells us is that we we found the bottom. You know, we, we did see uh, prices soften over the course of the last 18 months um, in different, you know, categories of, of asset. And I think what it tells us is that maybe we found the bottom and that people uh, saw enough value in, in offerings to resume buying activity. Um, you know, as we discussed last time, I think it's a much more normal type of buying activity that we've seen. It's people who have been waiting um, for prices to come down and are now feeling with, with low interest rates and some price adjustments that it's the right time to buy. Mm-hmm. We've seen different things happen across different housing types, of course. Walk me through a bit of what you've seen this summer for, say, condos for entry-level buyers, for detached houses, and some of the products in between. Yeah, I think where we're seeing the activity is still primarily in the more um, in in the mid to lower price points of the market, and that's true for for condo and for single family. So that means you know a lot of the activity is in in the neighborhoods relative to their immediate surroundings, which are that which sort of meet those price thresholds. So East Vancouver, um, North Vancouver. Um, and then, and then moving eastward, you know, the, the single family markets in, in Burnaby and, um, and moving out to Coquitlam, et cetera, et cetera, have also shown signs of improvement where we still are seeing some pretty sluggish sales are in the, are in the higher end markets. So West Vancouver, although has shown some improvement, you know, relatively speaking, still slow, um, West side of Vancouver, same thing. So. Uh, what it tells us is that, you know, those, you know, as we suspected, those markets were being driven uh, very heavily by um, um, new immigrants and money coming from outside the country. And we just we, that that is going to take a longer time to adjust because I just think those values got so, so exceptionally high that they're, they're just out of reach for the local buyer, which is what we're seeing right now. It is primarily local buying because we've basically turned off that uh that's that tap of uh, foreign capital. Uh, so we're, we're seeing them put their money into neighborhoods that are a little more affordable. So we haven't perhaps yet found the bottom for that luxury market. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, no, I, I, I think I think we have. It's just that there's so few people who can still afford it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, nobody there's no mass exodus of people leaving those neighborhoods. I mean, obviously, they're very desirable, whether it's West Vancouver or Vancouver West Side or you know, you can pick pick some of the top top neighborhoods around. 
there's no there's no great urgency for anybody to leave those neighborhoods. So so you know, hand in hand has, has been you know pretty low listing activity. Um, you know, there there will be some transactions, but there's just very few of us that that, that you know reside here and earn our money here who can afford those multi multi million dollar price points that you often see in those neighborhoods. So. I don't know that it'll it'll change anytime soon. I, I I think you know have we found the bottom? I guess it's it's tough to say for sure on 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 some of that um, kind of exclusive uh, real estate. But I think what we can say is that it, but what we're seeing is likely to continue, and that's just going to be a, a slow volume because of the uh, affordability factor. Mm-hmm, fair enough. There are a number of buildings now under construction or near completion or just completed that were pre-sold sort of in the height of the market. I'm curious, leading up to some of those completions, do you think that we might see some assignments this fall for people who maybe got stuck a little bit in an uncomfortable and perhaps not financially viable position? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no question that you know some of the deals that happened uh, two years ago, when the market was still ripping around, ripping along pretty hot, um, the one thing that is that is for sure is is that uh, um, you know mortgage lending uh, is tighter. You know the the criteria that you have to qualify under is definitely more stringent. The stress test is having an effect on people, um, particularly those with we'll we'll call it um, unconventional income. You know, and I mean that. Not necessarily in a, in a bad way. I mean, it's just that it, maybe they're self-employed or they have other sources of income other than just a traditional, you know, employment-style income. Those those deals are harder to finance, and as a result, we are seeing people, and we're experiencing it right now too, that are having to get, you know, either creative with who they who they bring into a deal, or or having to assign to find a new buyer to, to get out of a deal because they simply don't qualify for a mortgage. So there is that, and so I still think that there are some opportunities there. Um, and we're, there's obviously some projects that we're watching closely too that sold right near the peak of the market, and uh, you know there's uh, there's some concern there with the with the market having relaxed a little on pricing of of you know the valuations in those buildings and uh, something that we watch closely as well. Interesting. There are, as you know, there have been calls from different groups across Canada really to loosen that mortgage stress test that we have in place and a test that has been blamed by some for a cooling in certain really hot markets like Greater Vancouver. From what you've heard, is there any indication that we might see some changes to that? Or as far as you know, does that seem to be firmly in place at the level that it's at? Everything I've heard tells me that it's firmly in place, but I do see it as potentially um, um, you know, something that in an election might resonate with people. Um, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised that uh, as we get into full campaign mode in the fall, uh, that, that's, that that is something that, you know, the various parties put on the table, um, you know, whether it's a full loosening of it or, or just a tweaking of it, something to give people who might be finding it challenging to qualify uh, some hope that, you know, uh, if elected, that they would, uh, uh, you know, it would facilitate them buying a new home. So I, I think it could come as a, an election chip, but, uh, you know, it's nothing, nothing based on what I've heard. I mean, what I've heard is that they intend to keep it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a little bit earlier, you're watching certain developments that were sold at the height of the market. What are some of the other things that you're going to be watching in the months ahead to give you a better sense of how things are going in Metro Vancouver real estate? Well, I think macroeconomically, we're, you know, I mean, what's interesting right now is that what we're seeing happen in, you know, July numbers and what I suspect August to be this little resurgent is very micro. It's, uh, I think it's pent up demand. I think it's, uh, 
um, people responding to what they feel like is a is, is a is a reaching of the bottom, so to speak. You know, the, the the feet of the market having planted itself. But what I'm concerned with a little bit is is or not a little bit or a lot really is what's going on. Um, you know, globally in terms of the financial situation and macroeconomics and what's happening south of the border. Uh, we just saw uh, inverted yield curves, which is never a good sign in terms of where the economy is heading and whether that holds true or not. Only time will tell. But, you know, we are seemingly swimming against the grain here a little bit in terms of what's happening in the global economy. And that is obviously something that we are, we are concerned about and paying attention to. Now, I think that could all change very quickly if some of these uh, you know, these uh, international relations and trade wars uh, resolve themselves, but I'm not sure that that's something that's going to happen really quickly. So um, we're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic because we, we are seeing recovery in the local market, but also some a great amount of uncertainty at the global level. So that will ultimately, if, if it persists, affect what happens here. Although we have in the past proven to, to buck those trends, but uh, not something I would want to bet on. No. And as we know here in Canada, a lot of Canadians are really highly leveraged in large part due to the size of the mortgages they're carrying. So of course, any threat to our economy, any kind of major downturn could pose a lot of problems in regions like Greater Vancouver. Could, but it also means that interest rates are likely to stay low. So that's the one mm. silver lining and all that. When you talk about you know soft economies, it does generally mean that you know there's no pressure on increasing interest rates. Uh, and certainly if any any discussion of that, you know, a year ago has subsided and we are we're seeing um, interest rates falling as opposed to rising right now so that's that's good for people who have borrowed or who are intending to borrow but uh, you know the, the the trend of what's happening in the economy needs to be paid attention to because it, it, it impacts ultimately jobs and, and people's incomes and, and that's where uh, a prolonged period of, of you know a recession and um, poor economic activity could ultimately uh, put a damper on this recovery. Jason, as always, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Always my pleasure. That's Jason Turcotte, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group. For companies hunting for office space in Vancouver, the following will come as no surprise. Vacancies in the city's downtown core have hit a record low, sitting at around 2%. That's something we actually look at in BIV this week as part of our commercial real estate report. But joining me today to talk about the market more in depth is Tony Astles, managing partner at Bentall Green Oak, recently renamed from Bentall Kennedy. He's also the head of commercial real estate services with the company. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. As I led with, we're seeing really tight market conditions. But Tony, how far back do we need to go to find what you would consider to be more of a balanced market in Vancouver's downtown core? Gosh, I don't think I have the math in front of me, but uh, I want to guess that about five years ago, okay. um, uh, you know, we've had a relatively strong economy. We've had uh, a surging tech sector. Uh, contributing towards more absorption of space and relatively limited supply coming on during that period. So the overall dynamic is a a tightening market for office tenants and decreasing vacancy and increasing rents. Mm -hmm. Do you get this sense operating this market that really what we're seeing, it is a historic low, it is very significant and historic conditions that we haven't really seen before? I would say that, yeah. Hmm. 
What does that mean from a developer perspective? We know that for companies, it's a challenge sometimes finding the space they need. But from Bentol Green Oak, what kind of challenges does this pose for a company like you? Well, I think both tenants and landlords prefer a balanced market. Uh, it, it's, uh, it normalizes itself so much. Um, for developers across Canada, Vancouver has been a, a you know, wonderful opportunity for office development the last several years. The difficulty is in, in finding available land, uh, entitling uh, the new projects and getting them constructed to meet that demand. And uh, there's, there's been a, a lopsided equation so far. We can't deliver the space quite fast enough to accommodate the increasing demand. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the demand's coming from? Are there sectors in particular that are really looking for a lot of space in Vancouver? Is it, as a, as a result, generally of the economy? What are some of the, the market forces that you're seeing? Mm-hmm. Well, I was just speaking at a Collier's report earlier, and I think that they suggest that 40% of tenant demand as of Q2 was from the technology sector. So mm. that's a significant amount. Um, I think the natural resources piece has uh, come off and become so much more diversified in Vancouver than it used to be many years ago. Uh, with with the tech sector, of course, a reasonable economy has led some uh, typical sectors of the market to grow as well, uh, just not as as at an accelerated rate accelerated rate as the tech demand. Mm-hmm. How quickly are we seeing office towers pre-leased in Vancouver now? Well, there's about uh, 3.8 million square feet in the downtown that uh, are under construction for availability over the next three, four years. And uh, I think 45% of that is pre-leased. That's a significant amount, probably an unusual amount uh, Mm -hmm. to see that amount Mm -hmm. of pre-leasing. But it speaks uh, clearly to the fact that there's no space available today. People have to plan for their future a little longer in advance than they used to. Uh, And uh, uh, when you look at the increasing demand from the tech sector, um, they need to plan out and grow. So a lot of that space is pre-leased. That makes for a healthy delivery of space. Uh, That means that the market won't necessarily be oversupplied, it looks like we'll have a more balanced market. Uh, These new buildings will help uh, meet the demands of current tenants. Mm -hmm. I know you have B6 currently under construction. Would it be reasonable to expect it be fully pre-leased by the time it completes? Well, I don't think it's a great thing to speculate. I can tell you that uh, right now we're about 40% pre-leased and we do have prospects for about another 20% of the space that we're working with mm-hmm. and the delivery time frame is kind of early 2023, which is a few years off. So I think we'll be in a really good position. We will have released a significant amount in a rising market uh, with more tenant demand. So it's a pretty good time to be under construction. Yeah, fair enough. Given the market conditions that we're seeing now, has it changed at all how Bentall creates markets and, and sells? buildings when you're dealing with really tight market conditions? I think we've been doing this for a long time and we hope to be doing it for a long time. So we see the long view. Um, 
and we need to be prepared for all kinds of markets. Markets can change very quickly. Uh, they can improve or decline. We want to make sure that we're kind of future focused. So uh, when we design the buildings, we're trying to design buildings not to meet a current market, but design them to be absolutely as flexible as possible so that tenants can change and morph and still be pleased to be in a building that we're constructing. Uh, we want to have technology that uh, potentiates what tenants desire in the future. Uh, technology changes so fast that we won't necessarily put it in or it could be out of, out of date. But we want to make sure that we're available and flexible. Um, we need to be looking at uh, changing requirements of tenants in terms of the detailed space that they're after in a building. They want it up high, they want big floor plates, small floor plates. Uh, column-free floor plates. Uh, there's no question that in all markets these days, uh, good or bad, tenants would rather be close to rapid transit, uh, have uh, great access for walking and biking to work, great facilities for such. Uh, they want to have highly amenitized areas so that their employees are enjoying the neighborhood and the building, uh, making these things more livable. Uh, so all those things are things that we've, we've been working on for years, and uh, B6 represents all of those opportunities. We've heard on this show from residential developers who talk about how development delays can really challenge the economic viability of a project, exacerbated, of course, by the high cost of land. Do you see similar challenges for commercial buildings? Well, yeah. The, 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 one of the biggest risks in development is time. Uh, and the amount of time it takes because you lose clarity on how the economic environment is changing the longer you go out. So if the entitlement process can take three, five, seven years, uh, it's difficult to know what economy you're facing and what tenants require at that time. Uh, our two co-owners uh, have invested over time to make sure that they've been put in position to be development ready uh, at this stage. So. Uh, it is a long process. It's not for the weak of heart. Um, you it, uh, you just got to buckle down and get it done. And uh, sometimes you'll miss a market uh, and have to push off. Uh, we've been through that on other buildings. Uh, not in the case of B6. It looks like the timing of B6 is excellent for this market. Tony, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on with your insight. Okay, terrific. Thank you. That's Tony Astles, managing partner at Bentall Green Oak, where he is also head of commercial real estate services. And that's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also listen to past episodes at BIV.com slash audio. For more business news, visit BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening.